actually, Hamid says he will give the king 10,000 talents, basically, to let him kill all the Jews. Talents? I mean, I'm still looking for one talent. That's dope. The king tells him to keep them, so maybe Imagine. he knew it's like, you'll be his good talents at guitar. weren't that desirable. You can do math good. Lots of talents, man. His, Lots, his the best talents, talents weren't that exciting. <laughs> it was like uh, Heyman had won a couple of those stick pony competitions. <laughs> Hobby horse competition. Hobby horse. You will fuck it, air guitar, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep your talents, all right? Just go kill the juice for me. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Growing Up Christian. I'm Casey. I'm Sam. I'm Jeremiah. And uh, we owe a big deal of congratulations to Sam this week for starting his new job. Yeah, dude, it's been uh, a trip. So 10 years in the retail world. Uh, I was a fulfillment a fulfillment manager for, I think, six years. Um, and then... Uh, also, fulfillment is something that people didn't really, I feel like you would like tell people what that is and they were like, what fulfillment? Explain that. And then uh, Amazon Prime was just became the biggest thing of all time. And it was like, everybody knew, everyone knows what fulfillment is now. Fulfillment by Amazon. Uh, but yeah, anyway, who cares? Uh, so I did that for like six <laughs> years and then I've just been in like, whatever, logistics, uh, operations kind of bullshit. And you sit in a cube, you look at a computer and you hate your life. And I've only been in a school for two days because uh, I did, I worked Monday and Tuesday and then it was Thanksgiving break. So it was like, first of all, that's dope. Like I'm already really into the school schedule thing. You working two days and having a five day weekend was really cool. Uh, but it is, a, it feels so different. It's very strange to like, I mean, one, it's, it's so new. And I, I, my whole intention of doing this was like working with older kids and I'm in an elementary school for the time being. So it's like, uh, it's, it's different than what I was intending to do, but it is in my field and there is a lot of overlap. So I am, I, I do really like it and I'm really excited about it. Um, not a whole lot to report after just two days other than like, it's just the working in a school is such a completely different world than corporate retail it's kind of mind-boggling uh you know in corporate i feel like any corporate job you get you're like okay here's your training period we train you and and then we'll slowly give you more and more work whatever it's like there's no like my boss is the principal uh there's no like real training it's just like so here's where you'll sit all right well, guess we'll see you uh, later. And you're like, oh, okay. So like, you know, I, there's one other adjustment counselor there. So I like talk to him and, and try to get a good idea of like what's going why, on. Why don't but... you take a test slap with this kid? Nobody likes him anyway. Yeah. Well, that's what it's like. <laughs> that's what it's like. They're like, they, I, I, at the end of my first day, I went down to talk to the principal and uh, was just like, just to, you know, talk about how my first day went. And it was great. Like she seems amazing. Uh, we talked for like 45 minutes and she kind of just went through a list of kids to keep on my radar. It's like, here's the kid. This is the issue. Sort of a red flag list. Yeah. Right. 
uh here it's like this is what's going on with the families uh i mean it's also crazy because you know you're dealing with five six seven year olds and it's like some dark shit too it's like so this kid their their mom just you know they're all in a homeless shelter now so they're trying to figure out how to get to school and it's just like it's really fucked up stuff that some of these kids are going through and really tough to figure out like how to handle uh kids who are going through these who are having behavioral issues due to some of these extreme circumstances that some of them are going through. But either way, like it was cool. Like you had that good conversation, got an idea of, so the, the next day it was like, I sat in on their classrooms, talked to their teachers. Uh, but it, dude, it's really like corporate world is like, you don't know what you're like. They, this is, they kind of grow you into the position they want you to do, at least in my experience and what I've done. And this is like, you're just kind of like, I don't know, you fucking, parachute into the middle of a battlefield it's like fucking Fortnite. you just drop right into a <laughs> oh man you're already relating to the kids good job yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah do the dance the floss yeah, or I whatever i, I heard Emotes, the youth pastor get my turn on your head <laughs> see kids it's a lot like Fortnite. uh i don't know but i love it um I, so tomorrow you know i'll wake up and uh get to my first day of a full week and we'll see but it's really like a you kind of got to make a lot of it yourself. Uh, as an adjustment counselor, my role is to do a lot of direct services. So they're like, here are some kids you could work potentially work with. Uh, but you know, it's a lot of working with teachers and kind of getting an idea of like which kids really need the direct services. So, uh, I was the phone that's on my desk is what someone else was using for a while. And the, the woman who was there was like using, they would call her if they're having issues in their classroom. Like, Hey, we're ha- this kid's acting up. We kind of need some uh, help with that. And that won't be my role generally, but while I'm trying to get to know students, get to know teachers, I would just, the phone would ring. I'd pick it up and be like, look, I'm happy to help. So that was helpful, you know, get to know a lot of the students already that I'll, I'll probably be working with and uh, gets to know some of the teachers, but it's going to be like, I don't know. I guess I, I kind of have to carve my own path and people just are expecting that. And then you just tell people what you're doing and they're like, okay, cool. Good. Like, let's hope it works. Cause these hey. kids are disrupting the class and you know if what? they do that less then you're doing a good job. If they're not, we question your validity. And you're like, okay. <laughs> well, hey, you know, I mean, I'm glad to hear that there's not a, uh, a real formal outline for how we handle people's children <laughs> yeah and, oh did you get it's, what's crazy i get you can't hit them anymore i guess so i don't know man i'm really <laughs> yeah, they, once they told not, me that no. i'm like well how do you expect me to get them to fucking listen yeah i, I think uh you're gonna have to experiment with like other forms of punishment uh, i don't know, you know psychological like forced feedings yeah i was thinking that might be helpful how about the pokey like uh you know the trench bowl yeah this trenchable it's just like a sharp closet that you lock them in yeah <laughs> sort of like the iron maiden yes. maybe you no know, this t- the spikes don't touch though like there's some gap in between but you right. just gotta stand a real still they just, exactly they gotta not move yeah some ideas yeah no i think there's 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 a lot of good ideas it's funny because uh i was uh late to getting on uh this recording here because i'm trying to get my kids to bed and Sometimes children don't listen. And I was talking to my wife and I'm like, I, these are the times that I think I, I didn't get out of bed when I was seven years old because I knew I would get spanked if I did. 
the fear of violence kept me in bed. I don't do that to my kids. So they it's walk not all over out, me, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds ineffective. But I just think about how, like, oh, my God. Like, they, it's you get why parents resort to that. Like, it, I don't I don't personally uh, believe in it, but it it's effective in the short term. It fucking works. And, uh, you know, you can argue how that might affect your relationship with your parents long term. Maybe I could be a case study for that. I don't know. But either way. Uh, yeah, well, you and every co- child up until what, 1996? Up until now? <laughs> like millennials are like, like the first generation everyone. that majority don't spank their kids, I'm guessing. We'll see how it works out. We will. I can tell I, you I don't like a lot of their kids. <laughs> well, that. that's I because mean, their name's like Declan and shit like that. Declan. <laughs> Fern. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry oh. to anyone who named their child Declan. Sorry I'm to happy the for you. We lost mean? a fan or two. I, I'm guessing there's probably two people who listen to the podcast with a child named Declan. And I guess uh, this is our farewell episode to you, but. Or there's 16 kids named Riley, but it's spelled with like 12 letters. Yeah, yeah. Somehow. R I L E O U G I E H or something. R Y E dash L E I G H. His name is Peyton and the X is silent. <laughs> I'm happy for you, man. That Thanks. is that is a lot of kids. I, I know that's what you want to do. I'm not sure that. I wouldn't rather be like sprinting around an Amazon warehouse with a full diaper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm on Casey's side there. Singing bottles. <laughs> oh man! And incidentally, that's how you treat your employees. So, yeah, right. right. <laughs> don't don't leave your van until you get to a dealer, or you know, just. So my dad always used to say that you weren't a true salesman for the company until you had <laughs> until you, you had taken a dump in the back of your van in a box like okay. in a traffic jam nice so you know things about your dad that I don't know about mine your dad has definitely pooped in a box before <laughs> everything i know about your dad i would say that that's probably a factor but my dad definitely has yeah <laughs> i have i i mean show of hands i i have i, I haven't I, I can't relate to this i'm sorry I, yeah i I can't. I pooped in the woods once. Once? Only once, yeah. Well, Jeremiah, you had to poop in the woods a whole bunch because weren't you like a junior squirrel trooper or whatever? Right, right. In Royal Rangers, <laughs> no, you have to dig the poop hole. Yeah. Oh, no, when we lived in the camper. The tread for, shovels for a reason. Yeah, th- that was always pretty normal. When we lived in the <laughs> camper for a couple of years, I did pee outside probably 80% of the time, though. Dude is the lazy kid in the troop, like dig a shallow grave for his turd and then somebody <laughs> steps in. It's like five feet outside of camp, just scooping a little trout. They rip the latrine badge off of his vest. I don't think there's a latrine badge. <laughs> a... What, how do you get that? What's the latrine badge, Casey? Digging, digging good. Well, I mean, there is a lot that goes into digging a good latrine. You could make a latrine badge. I just don't think anyone would. It's it's more of a, uh, you know, boo if you don't, fine if you do. Like, you don't get recognized for digging a good latrine, I think, is is uh, the standard of service, right? I think there's absolutely no chance that I would have dug a deep enough hole if I was doing that. 
Why would you have just like given up midway through? Cause it yes. felt dumb. I, no, I would have been like, cause I would have waited. I'd be like, Oh, I really have to go. Let me start digging. I'm like, fuck it. Too late. Just barely get it underground level. <laughs> he just poops <laughs> on the trail. You sprinkle a little dirt on top of it afterwards. <laughs> You're, You're that kid. You're that kid who like shows up to the camping trip with like just a backpack and like two bags of Cheetos is so yes. unprepared for everything. Absolutely. Wait, we need a tent. I thought someone else had that. <laughs> he's digging his shelter right next to the little train the kid that's like just laying just like on the floor of the tent with nothing because his parents didn't realize they had to send him with a sleeping bag so he's just like covering himself with his backpack <laughs> he's gonna he's using his jeans rolled up as a pillow and meanwhile i'm like guy i just like i like roughing it i mean i i did this on purpose we would i would have a great time away. until like I feel like young me would have a great time until like 11 o'clock and then I probably would have freaked out and like demanded to go home. <laughs> there I kind of went kids. through a stage where I did that. Yeah. <laughs> like there were kids who did that. Yeah. I feel like I still am like, uh, I mean, up until late age, if I was going somewhere, I would still underpack and just be like, this is, yeah, I'm fine. I'll, I'll be fine. I'll just, I'll sleep on the floor somewhere. And at some point in my life, I realized that sleeping on the floor at my age is like awful it like fucks you up for weeks on end but <laughs> i i made that choice consciously for a while i went to a land party a couple of times where like in pennsylvania I'd drive like eight hours and go to a land party with my friend and it was like a free-for-all on sleeping arrangements and it's just like ah fuck it i'll just sleep on the floor like you throw a flannel over you and you lay out prostrate like and you wake up the next morning feeling like absolute shit like what am i doing I'm not 17 anymore. I can't do this. And this was still like probably almost 10 years ago. <laughs> I can't relate to on... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jeremiah. I, I can't relate to that so hard. I don't think I've ever been on a trip where I've worn everything I've packed. Like I always overpack on everything, like backup versions of everything. Like Me we can too. go for a weekend and there's like four duffel bags going in the truck. I'm like, yeah. no matter what happens, I'm going to be fine. But yeah, it really sucks when you're trying to like, pack light for like a flight or something can't do it i packed light for a while i feel like now i'm at a point where i over i, I overpack a bit now um now when i went to visit you casey i didn't because i'm like i'm only paying for i'm not paying for checked luggage so i uh, i i underpacked that weekend but generally if i'm like if it's driving distance and i'm like i can like, whatever like what what who cares might as well just fill a suitcase with everything I own so I can decide what I want to wear that day and not be stuck on what I packed like a total loser. I, I overpack so hard and April and I both do. We take so much luggage with us whenever we go anywhere. And like I'm the I, I constantly like overthink like the things that we could possibly fit into a trip. So like the like the amount of times that I've packed well, I might like, need a bow and arrow. Who knows? Right, like if we're driving, I probably have like a shovel and an axe in the car. Because <laughs> I'm just like, well, I don't know. I mean, what if we got stuck somewhere? It's like we're going to uh, Kansas City. Like, where would what we if get? We stuck? hit another guy trying to cross the road. We need to bury the body. I mean, <laughs> a lot of possibilities here. Things that could go wrong, and you never know what you need. Well, okay. So, um, speaking of packing a bag. Uh, there was a big controversy this past week. You guys have heard of Balenciaga, the luxury clothing brand? That is all I know about it. 
Um, I don't. I didn't even know what the clothing. You had just asked me about it, uh, and I didn't know what it was, so I googled it and realized it was a clothing brand. And I, but that was the first I heard of it. And then I saw some weird, goofy shit come up, uh, and then we decided to save that. So I don't really know anything about this. I didn't even know there were clothes. You guys don't know. So Jeremiah, you said you don't, you guys don't either of you know any of the thing. No, I had never heard of this before. I I know that Balenciaga is a clothing brand, like one of those uppity luxury fashion brands. That's all I know. I have no idea what's going on. Recently dissolved their partnership with Kanye West. Okay. That makes sense. We literally can't go an episode without mentioning him. He fits into every story somehow. Almost like it's a conspiracy. Conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, conspiracy-wise, uh, Balenciaga, I, I feel like I the name rang a bell when I first heard about it. I would have guessed that it was something in that like luxury fashion brand or something, but um, in the past like week or so here, they unveiled their 2023 spring line of clothes and accessories and stuff like that. And uh, in one of the ads for their object lines, they had several pictures of like young kids, maybe like four or five holding these bears. They're like teddy bears, neon colored teddy bears dressed in like BDSM. (laughs) What? Yeah, it's strange. Wait, how is this related to clothing? Well, so the bears are actually like handbags that they sell. It's like a teddy bear with a strap on it that you can carry around. With a strap on it. Very close. Yeah. Everything except the stud, you know? Oh, God. They had like, they were like in like leather daddy outfits. Like they had the collars on and the straps and there was some fishnet involved. Mr. Uh, Scott, the pictures, it's not. It's not great. It definitely somebody should have known when they were approving these photos. What I couldn't figure out. How do they relate this back to Epstein is my question. (laughs) Well, just give it a second. (laughs) No way! (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so it's like a couple of pictures. It's really only two pictures that this popped up in, but it's like two young kids. I, I think they're both little girls. And they're holding these bear bags that are in this weird sort of gear. Like, it's the sort of thing that, like, I don't know. I mean, if you would have done the pictures with an adult, it's just so another weird designer fashion thing mm-hmm. that's kind of stupid that no one would ever use in real life. Yeah, you what know? is this stuff? I mean, I feel like when you see, like, when you look at even Kanye stuff where he has, like, the giant boots or, like, uh, have you seen the one? What was the, the Napoleon Dynamite boots? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or the outfit where he's like in a completely silver, like it looks like he's in like a silver space blanket. Yeah, I I really uh, like, don't get no this like high fashion stuff. stuff. So I think it's like, supposed to be like celebrities wear the really out there fashion stuff, and then that trickles down like styling elements into their more normal clothes, like their regular high end mass produced stuff, and then that trickles down like into fast fashion. Somebody That's, watched The Devil Wears Prada with Anne Hathaway. <laughs> I I actually had did for the first time, I think, this year or late last year. Wow. Late knowledge is fresh. <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, I, I I had never understood either until I don't think it was that movie. I think I read it somewhere and it made sense after that. of like, oh, well, obviously only like a celebrity would wear this to the Met Gala, but then you might see that pattern show up somewhere else. I don't know what I'm talking about. 
Yeah, I, I think mean, I think you're that's a guy that wears right black track. t-shirts every time I've talked to you. So it's hard to know what you I mean, I, I used to dress very stylishly and then I started working from home and gained weight. So <laughs> I found a black, look. Yeah, I found a black t-shirt that fit me really well and I got 10 of them and I've been really he's, comfortable ever since. He's rocking, he's rocking that Bankman free drip. <laughs> you, given your background your uh dark background you basically look like a floating head i don't know for sure if you have a body uh i guess i'm gathering that you do but i don't know for sure i've never Face seen bones. it it's called fashion look it up <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i guess a lot of this stuff i mean a big part of it i think is just like weird collector's item garbage like I don't know, right. ugly sneakers or weird handbags or whatever else, you know, I, but it's, I guess it'd be cons- almost considered like an art piece of some sort, depending Do on who's talking about it. With like, it comes with like the, that's how it is, right? Like you buy it as this bear with the, the leather shit on it. Like it, that's how they sell it. I think the toddlers put that on. Or do you dress them up? Is it like a Build-A-Bear? You go in and you pick out outfits for your bag. I don't think they got that far into explaining it because that probably would have been when someone would have been like, wait a second. Yeah, build a game. Well, I mean, I look, when I brought my son, when he turned five into a Build-A-Bear workshop, he was very pissed that we made him get the Pikachu and not the leather, leather daddy outfit. I, he had a preference. And I was like, no. That's too much. You're you're just too young for that. Wait wait till you're six. Well, repressive parenting. Yeah. yeah. At least you didn't hit him, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah, so yeah, there's these pictures of the kids with these teddy bears, which I don't know, it's weird. It's especially at first glance, you're like, it's like why? For for the argument I, against like the, the, the leftists, the liberals, I don't know anything about Balenciaga. But uh, the liberals are like grooming the children. That's one of those where you look at it, you're like, guys, this isn't a good look. Yeah, like, don't it's add not what it looks like. The fire. Right, like, but you're you're really they're gonna eat good off of that those two images for a really long time. Is Valencia the uh, part of the liberal elite? I don't know. I'm assuming sure. they're kind of right wing capitalists that use like child labor to sew their clothes. But I could be wrong. I, I'd imagine you're not. <laughs> I don't know. I imagine there's that there's there's a pretty low crossover between like Silverado owners and Balenciaga enthusiasts. Like that Venn diagram is just two separate circles. Yeah. Well, until recently, there wasn't much of a crossover between literally anything Kanye did and people who also own Silverados until, I don't know, a handful of sentences dropped down. Otherwise, and Jesus brings people together. I yeah, think that's like, what you're saying. Maybe probably couldn't name a single song from his back catalog. And at some point told people that that's the problem with music. Well, uh, I think personally, okay. So, uh, this, this woman that April and I watch on YouTube, she's super funny. Her name, she goes by shoe on head. Oh yeah. She's great. Yeah. She, she has some like hilarious videos. We always watch whatever she puts out, but uh, she's been pretty outspoken about like, I don't know, the weird mainstreaming pedophilia stuff, which really isn't mainstream. I guess that's not a good word for it. But like, you know, there's like this small group of people who are trying to kind of like destigmify pedophilia and minor, you know, they call themselves uh, maps, minor attracted persons. Oh, it's like Nambla shit. It, yeah, yeah. But so she's rebranded. gone pretty hard against them. 
I didn't realize uh, that that was even a thing that people were. Trying well, it's to a move. very, very small thing. Like Casey said, the yeah. only thing I've seen that's a little bit bigger is the people who are like, well, we need to study and help these people who don't want to offend, which that gets into like a more complicated moral discussion. But like, there is that group of people that very much is pedophilia is of course wrong. The whole point of studying this would be to prevent people from offending. And then there's, I guess hmm. I'm not as familiar with what Casey is talking about, but a group of people that want to just reclassify celebrate it. offending. Yeah. It's that like Mitch like totally Chan stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, so may or may not actually wait, wait, all be trolling. But if it's yeah, you're saying it's niche 8chan stuff, and I typically associate that with like weird conspiracy alt right kind of shit. So are these people from an alt right perspective? I'm just throwing it out there. I was just looking for a weird uh internet subset to throw out. Okay. So don't get too in the weeds about trying to make connections here, is what yeah. you're saying. Don't attach too much to my my uh analogies here i mean i usually don't so i'm sorry i did this one time <laughs> so she went ahead tweets about the bear thing right which is kind of like what breaks the, the whole bear thing was loose. a great show so i'm not it was sure the it problem was, yeah. is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the bear but the the restaurant show anyway no. it's a great show you should watch it we'll it talk great. about it later sorry we're just jeremiah got it railing me i got notes here Keep going. Right, sorry, hit the notes. Hit the notes. Just keep talking while I so, talk over you. It's not worth stopping. So she mentions the bears, right? But then in the post, talks about another factor of this. Like, like I said, the bears are kind of whatever. It's weird. Wasn't a good choice. Whatever. You know? But the second part of this thing is where it really kind of made me take a second look at all this stuff. So... In another one of their photo shoot pictures, it's like a it's like a little handbag that's kind of shaped like a bow tie, and it's laying on top of a bunch of like papers and stuff, kind of like on a desk. So one of the papers that's visible under the handbag is an excerpt from a Supreme Court case called the U.S. versus Williams of 2008. Come on. It and already feels like... This feels bad. This is like the setup to a Matt Damon thriller. Well, so this court case is all about like virtual child pornography. It's a it's a very weird story. It makes no sense as set dressing for a handbag. I'll tell you that. And court, um, you know, pieced together with this other, you know, with the teddy bears and then one other thing which i'll get to in a second here it just made it all the more like what is going on what are you guys doing but yeah so the u.s versus williams there's a i'll give you the quick background of it of the case here so child porn is not protected under the second amendment uh make a note of that if you need the to. first amendment uh first amendment <laughs> <laughs> just clarifying <laughs> It's like I, on I who's really thought it was their second amendment, you know. Does not count as the right to bear arms. The right to bear arms and your kids. Oh. There's a few people now, not to be confused in the southern United the right. States protecting it with the second amendment, I think, but that's an that's another niche group, you know. Not to be confused with the right to bear bags, which is what we're talking about. <laughs> right to bear bags. So, right on the line tonight. Right on the line. So child porn, not protected under the First Amendment. Also, and I feel like we ought to just say, also not good. Yeah, it's also, also not good, right? Okay, now we can keep making There's a legal distinction there. <laughs> Where things get shifty is when you're talking about like 
artwork, computer-generated images, um, or adults that are purposely, you know, dressing or acting and stuff to look like children. Right. Right. So that is still allowed, but actual if the if a child is being harmed that's where the dr- the line is drunk right so there's this guy named michael williams he's some jerk off and he's in a chat room online he starts talking to a guy who he thinks is just another pervert but it turns out it's a secret service agent and he says hey i got, got pictures of my daughter being molested uh would you like to trade them for some other child pornography please and that's a CIA yeah. agent saying that <laughs> to a, like to a secret like, service agent. <laughs> it's like, how bold, how like on the nose can you be? I'm, I'm sure there was probably some preamble to the conversation, but this is this Michael Williams guy saying this to someone he believes is another person on there. It turns out it's right. a secret, secret service, service agent. agent. Crazy. Uh, he then sends a link to a website that has, it's like a photo album or something like that that has seven images of children engaged in sexual activity says between the ages of five and 15 jesus christ so the secret service frowns upon that they decide that they're going to go after this guy they get a search warrant they go to his house wherever it is I i didn't catch where this guy lived but they turn his house upside down and find two hard drives and on those hard drives are 22 images of child exploitation material. And I'm guessing that there was probably a lot of stuff on these hard drives, but there was 22 images that are without a doubt against the law, right? So they charge this guy with one count of possession of child pornography and one count of pandering child pornography. He's lucky he got, I don't even want to say lucky. I don't, how do you get one count? I'm, I thought every image was a count. I don't know how any of the, our legal system works. It doesn't, it never makes sense and nothing adds up. I think that's what makes it the best in the world, right? <laughs> I think so. You choose your own adventure for legal antics. Hey, second only to our healthcare system, right? <laughs> Which is second to nothing. Working great for me right now. So pandering, the, the like basically the definition of pandering in this context is knowingly offering or soliciting content believed to contain child exploitation material, right? So the simple act of asking for it or telling someone that you have it is considered a crime. Oh, interesting. So, so this guy pleads guilty to both charges, right? But he reserves the right to dispute the pandering charge on the grounds that it violates his First Amendment rights because it's too broad and it's too vague, which violates his Fifth Amendment rights, which is like due process or whatever. Um, And then he takes it higher, right? So he goes to the district court, uh, loses there, takes it up a notch and goes to the appeals court where it's reversed. He wins that case. Oh, wow. And this thing, this jerk off makes it all the way to the Supreme Court of the United States. When did this arguing happen? Arguing about pandering. This is 2008 when it made it to the Supreme Court. Okay. So uh, his whole thing was like, hey, this pandering as a charge is ridiculous and it shouldn't be the case. This guy had child pornography and he's documented on there asking for it and, and, and bragging about having right. it. Right. So this all comes down to this thing called the Protect Act, which is stands for the prosecutorial remedies and other tools to end the exploitation of children 
today. Shout out to the Federal Bureau of Acronyms. (laughs) (laughs) Which is like this sweeping act that like like, the longer those acronyms are, the more like on the edge of your seat you are when someone starts explaining it. You're like, ooh, are they going to sink it? There's a lot of uh, articles in there that didn't make it into the acronym. Exactly. (laughs) So it's like this sweeping act that just gave law enforcement a lot more leeway to like go after people who are hurting children, right? One of which is it gave them a lot more freedom to prosecute the solicitation and distribution of child pornography. So the Supreme Court hears this guy's case and they vote seven to two to uphold the PROTECT Act and and basically slap this guy's case down. Uh, basically citing that it doesn't violate, pandering doesn't violate the First Amendment and counts even if the person doesn't possess child pornography. So just oh, saying wow. that you do or asking for it, Supreme Court says, no, crime. You want to guess who the two judges were that voted against it? Oh, uh, my God. I feel like Ruth I can't Ginsburg, remember. Ginsburg, of course. Of course, she'd be one. Uh, Bingo. <laughs> Wait, are you serious? Yeah. It was oh, Ruth I was Bader, joking. Ruth Bader Ginsburg and uh, David H. Souter, which he doesn't get a lot of media hype, I guess. I don't know who he is. Is he still one? I don't know. Maybe he's dead. Let's hope he's dead. <laughs> Just to clarify, to make sure I didn't understand. Stand. Ruth Bader Ginsburg voted against upholding the Protect Act. Yeah, she was concerned about the slippery slope that it presented. God, Ooh, that's not a good First look. Amendment rights. And like, I I don't have a great picture of like what the alternate argument to this is, but I think it was like along the lines of like, okay, does this apply to all media? Like, well, if somebody guess- writes a story which includes like descriptions of two teenagers having sex or something like is could that be considered you know uh against the law or whatever because they they were specifically alito and his like retort to the whole thing mentioned like romeo and juliet and how like the chances of something like that being disputed under this clause are are you know minimal so it doesn't basically it was dismissed on those grounds Unlike everyone will use common sense and know the difference between actual child exploitation and Romeo and Juliet. Right. Okay. That is exact. Yeah, that yes. I, I can see that argument at least. Yeah. Right. Cause it's not saying that under all circumstances, quote unquote, pandering will result in a criminal charge because we know that pandering is used for like to catch a predator type shit. Like that shit's done regularly. So it's not it's saying that by, upholding that that you can or you will always prosecute any form of pandering it's just that you have the ability to at your discretion yeah it seems to make sense i mean sorry rbg you've done fucked up i'm peeling the bumper sticker off my window right now (laughs) maybe you should have retired before that one (laughs) (laughs) not this again (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so interesting case, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure where this is going to be. BDSM teddy bears yet, but I'm on the edge of my seat. Well, the edge okay. of so my seat. Why would a person include a printed version of this Supreme Court decision in a photo shoot for a handbag? To argue that this is free speech that shouldn't be censored, I'm guessing. I guess. 
Maybe. <laughs> Casey's okay. like, oh, you don't, I don't you know where to go from here. Yeah, I thought you had more after this. <laughs> no, it's literally just like a, like a page of this Supreme Court decision was positioned under the handbag in the photo shoot that Balenciaga did. It's definitely did. a real photo shoot, like real photo from the shoot, not something that's been doctored. Nope, it's a real photo. And it's been taken down now. They've taken down like all of this stuff. And they actually deleted all of their social media. Really? <laughs> yeah, they, okay. they deleted their Twitter. They deleted their Instagram. They took their social media manager out back, shot them, put them yeah. in a the ditch. <laughs> <laughs> For real. So like, it's okay. It's a weird idea to put kids with bondage bears on your, in your ad campaign. I mean, I'll go as far as saying that that does seem a little perverted. I'll, I'll err on the side of perversion until I hear otherwise. But then you pair it with the fact that like, okay, we've got a, a Supreme court case from 15 years ago about child pornography online and, and you have it printed out and put on under your purse and your phone. Why do you have that? Everyone becomes that a there? little bit of a conspiracy theorist on that one. Like, yeah, it's it's like, is there any obvious, sensible reason for it? No. Is there a direct, good theory about art. like it's why it's Casey. there? I mean, I guess it's somebody's idea of art. I think that's what's fun about art is uh, you can do really fucked up stuff and then be like, guys, it's art. I mean, don't go overboard here. Uh, what was it with? Um, God, Casey, you're going to have to help me out here. Was it with the Epstein shit where there was someone who had all that really fucked up art of like people being mutilated and shit yes. like that? Yes. Okay. So if this is at all exciting or interesting to you, um, you're going to want to look Martyr up Q and <laughs> <laughs> uh, Go to the Martyr Made podcast and listen to Listen to the whole Epstein series, but listen to episode three of his three-part series on Epstein. And in it, one of the things that that Daryl Cooper, who hosts it, does a really good job of is he really like goes the extra mile in trying to like fully understand the viewpoints of the people he's discussing and stuff, right? So in episode three of this Epstein thing, he breaks down like the whole Pizzagate conspiracy, which That's you know, right. at 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 a glance. Like there's nothing to relate to there, and you're like these people are insane. They think people are holding children in a pizza parlor. So it, it is insane, right? But during that whole process, like mapping that all out, he kind of lays out like what people latched onto that like led them to right. those dumb. If you're a man sitting in your basement, none of your children will talk to you anymore because you've gone so far off the wall. You're looking for meaning in your life, and you've had a lot to drink. You make you you find some stuff and. It doesn't sound so unreasonable. Yeah. I won't trace out the whole thing because it's a long deal, <laughs> but basically it started with the leaked emails from Hillary Clinton's leaked emails during the 16 campaign. There was this weird connection to this comic pizza, comet pizza and ping pong in DC. And people started looking at like several different people that were in the emails or named in the emails or part of that whole thread. And like the Podestas who have been like Washington insiders forever came up a lot during this whole thing. And they're That's like right. big campaigners for Hillary Clinton. I forget they run like a super PAC or something like that, but they have this art collection. It's like that such deviant shit. It's really unsettling. Yeah. It's insane. And it's like so much of it involves like children in, dangerous, violent, or sexual situations. It's bizarre, unsettling. 
I think one of the artists said that um, in an interview with one of the artists, she said that she was abused as a kid. And like a lot of that has to do with her like re-representing the feelings of being abused. Now, whatever, as an artist in your outlet, you do what you want. But when you're when you're drawing really Tony Podesta, like unsettling collecting it and then posing next to it in like the New Yorker or whatever, like. Like, yeah, I enjoy yeah. this piece. Like, shut up, Tony. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like that. You can get it. Like, I feel like I don't. I don't know what the market is. Like, I don't know what the market should be for that. But if you're just a guy who has a lot of money, and you're like, Some I just rich like white guy. And it's all they're always white. Name. It, if you're rich, ex- white, I want to buy this expression of this poor abused woman's pain and hang it on my wall so I can talk about it during my like wine mixers. Because I'm a silver Head spoon out. piece of shit who's never had real adversity in their lives, and uh, I'd like to just revel in other people's. Now, is he shoving babies into his Breville food processor? That might be a stretch. But is he buying baby diarrhea and rubbing it on his face oh, to look young gosh, for a long Sam. time? Absolutely, he <laughs> is. We can verify that. It's a fact. Well, good one green. step away from adrenochrome right now. You gotta steer him away. <laughs> Why didn't somebody spread that theory? Like the adrenochromes are in the tire. <laughs> <laughs> well, because they don't want to make it too accessible. So like, you know, cute idiots living in their trailer in the middle of nowhere could be like, wait, we have plenty of baby diarrhea. Like, <laughs> that doesn't hurt the baby. <laughs> it doesn't hurt the baby and it buys the baby formula. Well, so, okay, so Balenciaga, like the internet freaks out at Balenciaga. They take down these photos and stuff, um, post some uh, new photos of some of the items that in the collection and stuff. And this is where, like, it's like the Pizzagate thing where people just take stuff and run with it. Like one weird thing, and it's like, God, there it is! But, like, they, one of the images that they posted was a lady. She's in kind of, like, business attire. She's got her feet up on a desk full of papers and in the background there's like a stack of books and there's two books sitting there that are both from they're from two different artists and one of them's named michael Boromans, and the book is called fire from the sun and it's a series of pictures of toddlers holding severed limbs and playing with dead bodies and in piles of blood and Jesus. Again, weird. What country know. is Balenciaga weird. stationed in? Like what? Spain, I think. Okay. It doesn't really help. I'm just wondering, like, is there some cultural divide we're not understanding? Like if it was French, I might be like, okay, well, is this a weird <laughs> French thing? I don't know. <laughs> the Spanish got pretty weird a uh, few hundred years ago. Central America and stuff. <laughs> They're capable. They're capable of it. But yeah, so the description for Fire from the Sun says, Fire from the Sun includes small and large-scale works that feature toddlers engaged in playful but mysterious acts with sinister overtones and insinuations of violence. That is like toddlers holding severed legs. Yeah, somebody needs to write that description and then look at it and be like, wait, that's a red flag. Everything I just said is a giant red flag mysterious and sinister situations is that what they said like you can't write that about a child and be like wait a second i might be on the wrong side of this one 
So the second book is by this art artist named Matthew Barney, and it's called the Cremaster Circle. I don't know if I'm pronouncing Cremaster correctly. It doesn't sound good. Like there's the the I don't know one of the images, the title image or whatever, is like this guy. He's in white paint, head to toe. His mouth is just covered in blood, and he's eating what looks like a piece of raw meat. And apparently, the Cremaster muscle is what he's supposed to be eating, which is the muscle that retracts uh, a man's testicles back up into his body. Oh, you don't say. It's just too much weird. It's it's just too weird. Like, just give it a break for a second. I feel like I've heard of people having injuries. Where their cremaster? Yeah. I I didn't know what the word for that. I didn't know the word, but where that muscle tightens up and it actually will retract like your testicle into your body and you actually have to have like a surgery to get that to like release you have to your your coin purse will overheat yeah (laughs) i mean it's a sidebar i mean it has nothing to do it doesn't really matter i just i'm learning and i'm connecting what i'm learning like if you leave a bag of peanut M&Ms on your dash in the summertime, that's what happens. Very David Spade move of you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So that's, that's kind of the longest short of like the, uh, uh, the the controversy. The internet's exploded like several times over it. They're like calling on stars and stuff to, denounce Balenciaga like the Kardashians have a really close relationship with Balenciaga apparently and people are like denounce them drop your contracts blah, 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 you know and so far it has not until they say something it. anti-semitic come on we have standards in this country <laughs> but uh Balenciaga I mean like I said they had deleted all their social media and everything that's that is absolutely wild to delete like the most unbelievable all... part yeah yeah <laughs> It feels like you're either 13 years old and you just like got caught doing something really embarrassing or you're Balenciaga. Like, I don't really know who else is deleting all their social media accounts. That's like the cyanide pill in your tooth. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, They have filed a $25 million lawsuit against the producers of the ads, which is North Six. North Six Incorporated is the studio that did the set, the photo shoots and stuff. And then the set designer's name is Nicholas DeJardin. And so I like looked up both, both that set designer and the, uh, the company that did the ads Mm -hmm. looked through a bunch of their content and stuff. And there's like nothing, there's nothing in any of their other stuff. That's even remotely like controversial or weird or even involves kids. So So, Balenciaga is suing them. You're saying, so they're like, we hired these people to do these ads. This is what they came up with. And they signed off on it. Yeah. Yeah. They signed (laughs) off on it. But what they're saying is we didn't realize all this other weird shit they did. Essentially, they're just trying to find a fall guy uh, and not take responsibility for it. Basically. Yeah. I mean, Hmm. it's interesting. I I didn't think about initially like the, the fact that they like farm out, all of their creative content. I mean, I don't know if they do it farm all of it out, but I guess when you got a big collection of luxury items, it's almost like an art piece. The 
pictures. Yeah, I, I don't do. think that's weird. I mean, that hiring a an outside agency to produce marketing materials. I mean, I think that part's pretty normal. Oh, for sure. Them uh, not having any issues with what was produced, like it would feel weird for them to backtrack now and be like, "How could you make those images?" Like, presumably you approved them, or you approved the concepts, then approved the finals, and then approved the distribution, including in your ads. So, yeah, no one's know. looking at all the other stuff that's in them too. Like, of course, just on face value, you would think someone would be like, "Red flag, kids holding BDSM and BDSM bears," but even looking past that and then it's like the the additional layers of like the the supreme court document or the the books that are in the background it's like look whenever i watch movies now like i didn't when i was like 17 18 years old but if i watch a movie and you see books in the background i'm always interested in what they are because somebody put them there on purpose and it's like if you're doing that with an ad and there's something there it's like of course you want to look at that like if if your job is to sign off on advertisements you hired a company to to do this for you and you're like yeah we should like we have we have final say and you're just going to ignore everything that's in there in the background like i don't know all that is weird like to to say that they actually to to think that they actually have a lawsuit on their hands where they can like recover from that, it feels they're trying insane. to shift blame. Yeah, it you feels know, that's, insane. That's, 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 I can't imagine them when they like we're taking this seriously and we want retribution. We're as angry as you are. Yeah, I think like so. I so saw dumb. the only like reasonable explanation that I saw for for why did why it involve is... uh, Becky from Full House. <laughs> no, but like somebody had. Somebody had tweeted something along the lines of like, like, I know what this is. This is what, you know, this is a company like purposely soliciting negative feedback in order to get promotion out of it. And yeah. I could definitely see that for the bears, the Supreme Court documents, the books. I don't think so. I feel like that's those are minor details. The books I could see is like, you know, some artsy photographer wanting to kind of like give a nod to some artists that he likes, you know, it's like, it's like he snuck a cannibal corpse song into Ace Ventura. (laughs) (laughs) The Supreme court document is the only one that I'm like, why? What, what is way too on the nose for any explanation, at least we can think of. And that's also the most easily, you know, like that's the one that I could see sneaking past the sensors within the company. So, you know, thinking about it. So the Supreme court, thing is saying that pandering will continue to be something you can prosecute right yes so maybe i mean are they going for this is just me trying to think of an advertiser's perspective are they going for the shocking with the ironic like that seems plausible like here we have these kids with these bdsm bears and that's shocking and it's a problem and then we also have like Ironically, we're going to also put this thing here, which is that you could prosecute pandering. Are we pandering? We're not. But is it a juxtaposition? Certainly. Maybe somebody should have made that case for them already. I mean, definitely have not made that case for themselves. I've gone back. I I know I career shifted into adjustment counseling, but I am career shifting into into law so I, I i plan on being the lawyer for uh the advertisement company 
that Balenciaga, whatever the fuck they're called, hired. So I came up with that idea, and I clearly am doing a better job than whoever's handling their case right now. So, well, I hope you get it. I'm guessing that you won't be working with many children. You (laughs) (laughs) always, always default to irony. If you just say it was a, a iron, oh, we were being ironic. Then they go, oh, okay. And then the judge has to agree with you. Yeah, parody law. Yeah, parody law. Elon Musk knows a lot about that. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you put parody in your profile name, you're good. Until you're not, because Elon doesn't like you said about him. And then he squanders all of Twitter. And now we're where we're at. So, yeah, exactly. Just another example of a rich person making the rules up as they go and it working out really well for them is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, so that's the Balenciaga controversy. Final thoughts? Any ideas? I definitely won't buy their products now. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think Glenn Maxwell is somehow involved. Did I say her name right? She probably had some Balenciaga gear. Definitely. She seemed like a uh, like a Chico's shopper. I don't know what Chico's Whatever is. Whatever high-end Chico's. She There's had no, Nordstrom like... Rack look to her, if you ask me. <laughs> but... <laughs> what are your final thoughts, Casey? Piece this together for us. Paint the big <sighs> picture. I know you got a giant conspiracy welling up inside you. It seems to me like at least the court document part I don't know if it's the photographer or if it's the set designer or if it was Balenciaga themselves. It does seem like some sort of a wink and a nod to me. But what would be the point of it? I don't know. I mean, it feels a little like, like, hey, you know, if you uh, play Metallica's record backwards, it says to smoke yeah. weed. What What's the point? What would be the point of that? It's well, just it's, crazy. You know, it's to, you know, it's to like condition you to accept such and such like, I don't see how any of that could work or be possible or useful in any way to anyone. So I don't know what the the motivation would be here. It it feels brazen for the sake of being brazen on all fronts. Well, if that was their plan, they are definitely doing a bad job of explaining it to the world. (laughs) So, um, maybe they were expecting people to pick up on nuance and, I don't know. I don't know what your personal experience has been with humanity over the past four or five years. Humans, uh, but I I don't know that they're great at that. Their next photo shoots with Casey Anthony. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, isn't she getting something? Hold on, is something happening with her right now? Uh, I heard something about starting OnlyFans or something. (laughs) Jesus, probably that's how she's going to pay her court bills. Uh, there was something, oh yeah, she's got a, a trailer for, uh, Casey Anthony, where the truth lies streaming on Peacock. Okay. Is it just like a documentary series about her thing? It looks like it. Yeah. But with her participation, this is going to work out super well for her. And I'm sure it's going to paint her in exactly the light she wants to be painted in. I would say exactly like the way it worked out for Giancarlo. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. At some we point, we got to talk about that. Have you guys watched? Uh, I haven't. I actually God have forbid? not. I have not watched God Forbid yet. Um, you know, I don't know if the episode's out yet. It might have been when we talked to Barrett. I forget when I mentioned it. 
Um, but a conversation about it did come up and I was like, I feel like I have, I, I might be remembering wrong, but I feel like I mentioned not being overly interested in it. Um, and it's... then, well, okay. So when I, I didn't, I don't think I realized entirely what it was, but then I saw the trailer for it and was like, Oh, and now I'm going to have to eat my hat on this one because it does seem interesting. But then I did talk to a friend, another Liberty graduate, uh, who said he didn't feel like it brought a lot of new of any new anything to the table uh, compared to what like gangster capitalism or had already talked about. So I don't really know. Well, I mean, it's it's like two hours long. Yeah, I guess it's, I thought it was not an in-depth investigation. Yeah, yeah, but Jean, it is the first time I guess that like uh, Giancarlo it's, really sat down and gave any of his take. Yeah, he, it's Giancarlo's side of the story, and you know, backed up by a bunch of experts. Is you know, the thing with it is, is I feel like you know that Billy Corbin, or I think it's Billy Corbin that made it. Billy Eilish, Cocaine Cowboys, the the greatest documentary of all time. <laughs> But uh, I think what he did was put this all together in a package for people who maybe saw it peripherally or or read some stuff about it initially when it first came out, but then like lost track of it during the course of things. Yeah, yeah people yeah. That haven't followed it as closely as, as some of us have. I think what's interesting about it, what I thought was interesting about it, was that it painted a much deeper picture of what his relationship to the Falwells was actually like. Okay. Like... And it's weird. It's like very strange. It, you should just watch it. it. Let's save this I'll, conversation. Yeah, I'll watch it. Watch it. And then we'll talk about it because it's good. It's worth watching, I think. Yeah, I'll give it a watch for sure. I definitely want to. Uh, my semester is wrapping up in the next week and a half for me. So I'll have you can just quit time. school now, right? I could. You got what you wanted. Now, I'm what I'm deliberating on is whether or not I slow down my school my schooling at all is because now that i'm in the field that i want to be in i'll get a provisional license and that'll probably give me about five years to be able to graduate and i was on a three-year track and i've already done one year i'm finishing up my first year now so i could really like extend this out give myself a little bit more free time i don't know i'm on the fence about it because i kind of just want to finish it but Ah, uh, God, free time sounds really great. I'd love to have some of that again. We'll see. Yeah, well, I don't blame you there. Okay, so uh, I am going for an unofficial Bible degree. And in doing okay. so, I have done a lot of Bible study over the past few months. Probably more Bible study over the past few months than I did in like the past 15 years. All of your years. I would say... All 30 plus of them. I'm definitely paying much closer attention now as an adult. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the other day when we had April on, uh, we talked about Esther and the story of how Esther became queen, the, the royal beauty pageant. Right. And me, you know, like I said in that episode, like I didn't really know the story of Esther anymore. And I figured that that part was the interesting part of the book. And the rest of the book is absolutely nuts. And uh, <laughs> I've had a, a lot of fun sketching this out. So we're going to kind of pick up the story right where we left off. You know, 
Persia's next talk, concubine. Esther wins. The king makes her the queen. They throw a big party in her honor and declare, I don't know, January 6th, Esther Day. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so in chapter two, like that's the, the chapter two midway through ends right there and, and talking about Esther becoming queen. And then it talks about uh, Mordecai. And so reading this, the rest of this book, it seems very clear to me that Mordecai wrote this book. <laughs> <laughs> he had to, because this is like a fan fiction of his life as written by him. And it seems like the whole book is, you know, it's, it's about Esther, but it's really the whole book is just there to jerk off Mordecai. Okay. <laughs> so, and it wanna, kind of starts right here. I feel like I want to say, uh, no, 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 I won't say anything. You go ahead. So Mordecai works the gate at the palace, right? And one day he's working the gate and he overhears these two guys that are like the king's officers. Uh, they're gossiping. Their names are Bigthana and Teresh, and they were super mad at King Xerxes throughout this whole... And King Xerxes throughout this whole book just seems like a total moron. Like, everything he does is stupid. He can just be like, whoever walks into... We were joking about that new Lord of the Rings show. Like, every time... Every scene in that Lord of the Rings... The Rings of Power show, every episode has a scene where the townspeople are all gathered up and they're listening to someone give a speech. And it's like, whoever's giving the speech has full authority over the townspeople. Like, they'll be all revved up about going to war and fighting the orcs and stuff like that. And then one guy will speak up and be like, I don't think we should do that. And all the townspeople are like whispering to each other like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, oh, wow. That's kind of how King Xerxes is in this story. So these two guys, very mad at him. Uh, and they're talking about how they're going to assassinate him. So Mordecai goes and tells Esther or delivers a message to Esther that this is going down and these two guys are planning to kill or kill the king. Esther goes to the king, tells him that Mordecai, your servant, overheard this assassination plot. Um, it says that there was an investigation. Put that in quotes because something tells me that it wasn't super thorough. And they it's impaled like the these two dudes on... Story. Yeah, it's like it's like Liberty investigating a, a sexual assault. Or oh, something. What's but a, if they yeah, we had a solid, people. solid Title IX investigation, guys, and turns out we did awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if they did that, but they just immediately impaled everyone that got accused. <laughs> <laughs> so they impale these two guys on big long poles. A lot of people get impaled in the Book of Esther. It's kind of like a uh, recurring theme. Very Assyrian. I like it. <laughs> so Mordecai kind of gets the credit for it, but that was about it. Like nothing real big done in his honor afterwards. So there's this guy that comes into the story that's kind of like the villain of the story at this point, and his name's Haman. Remember this from the... Hyman? His name's Hyman. Okay. And Hyman is just like this wicked, vile douchebag that just hates the Jews. And he's second in command in the kingdom. He's kind of like a purity metaphor. I don't really like where this is going. <laughs> I think they would, they would, if that was the case, they would make Hyman the, uh, <laughs> like the purest and, and 
most untouched person, wouldn't they? But breaking the hymen with Mordecai breaks the hymen, and he does exactly. And it's okay, Sam. You're making this joke work. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) You're gonna dig out of this. You can do it. I can't. (laughs) All I can make was a loose connection. That's it. What? Haman is big on titles and adoration, and the king Title makes nine? him second in command. Yes. He's sure. the hand of the king, just to translate this into modern Game of Thrones terms for the audience. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's Tyrion. So he's prancing around in his like new second-in-command kingly duds, and he goes through the gate, and he and Mordecai must just like hate each other. It's kind of like office... Uh, rivalry sort of thing between him and Mordecai, who's just like this guy working the gate. But he uh, he says, everybody has been commanded to like bow down and show respect to me when I walk up by the king's command. And Mordecai like will not do it. He's like, I bow down to no one but my God. Takes a courageous stand. Sounds a lot like not my president. I like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which i keep thinking like did mordecai bow to xerxes that never really comes up in the story but you think it would no xerxes uh just respected his faith i'm sure that's what the implication is <laughs> xerxes is like a hot-headed doofus that xerxes was pretty cool with mordecai just doing whatever he wanted to <laughs> <laughs> But he wouldn't bow to Haman, kind of makes a thing out of it, and he decides, like, he just hates Mordecai. And he hates him so much, he wants to kill him. But then he thinks about it, and he's like, you know what? I don't want to kill just Mordecai. I want to kill all the Jews. (laughs) And here we are today. Yeah, that's really about all the explanation it gives for why Haman wanted to kill all the Jews. It's like... Mordecai wouldn't fist bump him. And so he's like, not nah, genocide. I feel like it's been basically that since then. I mean, it's just like, oh, you didn't give me uh, you didn't give me that spot on that television series I wanted. Well, let me piece together a conspiracy theory for you. <laughs> Boy, hot take. <laughs> <laughs> well, look at Kanye. I mean, that's literally his take. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You guys are. Two peas in a pod. I think you're misunderstanding where I'm coming from here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be the interpretation for sure. I'm just, I'm trying to give the uh, new interpreters translation. I don't know. I think new interpreters is actually a translation. I'm probably. I think it's good translations are there. That. Oh, I'm looking at I mean, commonly accepted translations. Let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. Uh, 1500. Are we doing like just in English or they're in the entire world? Mm. Oh, just in English. Let's do okay. in English. And let me change only, that. The only real language. Uh, 600. Uh, more than 100. Uh, that, no, I mean, that's just the answer is more than 100. Oh. I can't find a more specific <laughs> one. Not helpful. <laughs> Dude, what? There's got to be guys walking around, like running around pitching their translation of the Bible, right? Like, I mean, I've been doing it for years. Gurus and whatnot. Like a hot new translation startup. Yeah, or like a <laughs> lunatic that, you know, shows up at the farmer's market and tries to sell like his bootleg translation of, of the New Testament. Okay, so you're saying just like unauthorized, like live bootleg recordings. Like who's to say that these aren't also treasured 
translations that we should also be considering as a part of the complete catalog. Right. Yeah. Got like, it. like I went to a gun show yesterday and it's like the guy who's downloading and printing the Turner diaries from his home computer and then selling it at the gun show, you know, but, like he that guy, but he's it. selling a Bibles. I haven't been to a gun show in many years uh, since before the troubles. <laughs> as, as the tone shifted in the way that i'm imagining that it has it's a lot of like f biden trump 2024 merch okay it sucks it's, honestly like they suck they're terrible it's bad branding i mean if you're gonna if your entire thing is to associate associate gun culture with everything trump it's like you gotta understand sam so much longevity yeah but so much of of like gun culture when it comes to merchandising is based around like the wink wink you'll definitely need to kill somebody who will definitely break into your house one day wink wink it's like like, wink wink calvin peeing on somebody's name you don't like wink wink culture i get it exactly so like that's the only way you can convince people that it's worth spending so many thousands of dollars on on stupid accessories yeah what was the wildest gun you saw at the gun showcase? Did they had some cool shit? Uh, there was like a decommissioned RPG in there. Okay, decommissioned Which, though. Yeah, that's that's to me that's still cool. That's fine. Oh, Casey, yeah. I'm looking at all these patches you sent me. Yep. Yeah, Wait, so that's a, a that's a that's a patch for the Empire from Star Wars. <laughs> that's the Empire's logo. Like so I just said, fascists. Jeremiah and Sam. I Sam. I said it too yesterday, but. There was a table that was just nothing but like patches. And I took a picture of half of it. This is half of it. But uh, it's just like patches that you can have your grandma sew onto your body armor vest, you know? Patches of Hulahan. So it says there's like a skeleton hand holding up the middle finger next. And it says your sensitivities. I got it. What does no quarter given mean? Uh, uh, it's no like mercy. no survivors or yeah, yeah, no, no prisoners, no survivors. So when, when pirates, like if they run up a flag saying no quarter, it basically meant if you don't surrender, we'll kill everybody. Like kill even them if all, you like God we'll... sort them out. Exactly. Okay. So what's quarter? What is the, what is quarter, quarter is, is, is mercy. Oh. Uh, okay. Like taking you prisoner slash mercy. Yeah. I like My um, the... shall not be infringed. I liked that one. <laughs> That's a good one. Well, one one... That, dude, this one is really fucked up. And I appreciate it, uh, it when it comes to brazenness. Uh, it says infidel. And then what I imagine is Arabic for infidel underneath it. So they're just asking to be killed. So that's cool. Wouldn't it be amazing if it was like, like you see those pictures of people in t-shirts, like in China or something that have American sayings on them, but they're wrong or they say something like awful wouldn't it be great if somebody did that infidel patch but in arabic they wrote like douchebag or something the guy's strutting I'd around like with it on his uh his his jeep seat cover i gotta say one of my least favorites is the um the we the people ones like or the ones that just say 1776 like it's some vague like yeah patriotism yeah yeah kill the current president patriotism that's dumb too Oh, here's one. This is a picture of a mask and also a cat on it. And I'm not sure. I don't sure understand that one. Yeah. What is that supposed but to mean? I will say, um, well, whatever. He put it on his truck, so he's proud to. I like C 1984. So it's like COVID 19, 
84. Oh, wow. Deep. So cool. cool. There's one that says 2020. I can now see clearly. I, (laughs) what I really also hate is there's all those joke ones in there about like Bigfoot and stuff. Uh, because this is how Casey, you've probably gotten ads for these stupid clothing companies that are all like grunt tactical. And you know, it's (laughs) got a bunch of like, you know, Bigfoot jokes in 1776. And then obviously a hard right turn at some point where it goes into like, and rise up and kill the liberals. Like, Oh, cool. So that's the type of like, we're all about sportsmanlike conduct and training for readiness, brothers readiness to do what? Yeah. Ugh. Overthrow the definitely governor. gotten a government. bunch of ads for those. Yeah. I can't I'll melt find you it. snowflake. But, um, I, I, I don't know. I don't think it's a surprise, but by, um, my dad's an info wars guy and he, I was over there this weekend for, or this week for Thanksgiving. And there was uh he's got info war. He gets the bumper stickers and he puts them all in the back of his truck. And one of them was, um, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but it was like masks are for slaves and something else. And I don't remember what it is. And I'm like, slaves and criminals. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 That's what it is. Thank you. Was it? Yes. Oh dang. I'm but, way too tuned into these. <laughs> so I, I got the criminals one cause criminals will wear masks, but like slaves, I don't know. Uh, I don't, it doesn't have to make it doesn't sense. Have I, mean, to. I think it, that's the moral of the story. I also want to be like, and also for doctors and also like there's plenty of people who wear masks for a but lot not of your dad. Dude, your dad. I would, I, I want to buy your dad the patch that says thought criminal. Yeah. <laughs> He'd probably love it. Probably. I, just, I saw that and I, I had just, uh, it's just one of those you see that and you're like, God, we really like I, I'm cut from that cloth. And I don't know how all four of your children ended up thinking so radically different. <laughs> yeah. You know, all four children line up with each other and not your dad or did everyone go in way different directions. All four of us are reality based. I, yeah, we might we could probably find plenty of things we disagree on uh ideologically or maybe morally uh based on where we i don't know how we define or where we get our morality from but generally like i have a lot in common ideologically with my siblings i think um and it it's generally a point of contention like we've all at various times sometimes separate sometimes together gotten very heated arguments with my dad uh that end poorly and then i feel bad for my mom because she she's just like left hearing us be like oh my god like losing her shit and she's like yeah i, I don't know I, I i know it's i get it but they she's not like on the same page as my mom's a very conservative person uh but i i've never had any real contention with it like you know we could even we could talk about anything at all and just have a very human to human conversation about why we feel the way we feel about it. Um, and so that's, that's great. So even, even though probably on a lot of issues, she might align with my dad and the way that they would vote, she probably doesn't align with him on how he got to his conclusions as he's like in the conspiracy theory, Alex Jones camp. Um, and then, and she's, she's very much not. So, 
and she thinks there's issues on that. It seems to me like she thinks there's issues on that side. Like she doesn't agree with it, but either way, she does see that the, the rift that it causes between me and my siblings and our dad. And I, so I don't think she likes it for that reason, because again, all of us and our mom have been able to, we're, we're all fine, even though we know we don't agree on stuff and that we could have those conversations. Um, so I, I think she just sees it as a way that like causes strife in the family and, and limits conversational ability. So I don't know. I, it, I think all that is what's interesting about it is even though she's probably, if, if you're talking about like down ballot voting, she probably aligns with my, she would, her vote would look a lot more like my dad's on everything. It, when it comes to like having real conversations, I, I think it's a lot different. Yeah. You can, you can be conservative and vote for Trump without thinking that uh, the CIA Right. activated Stephen Paddock in order to, uh, you know, exactly take guns away from people. Like my mom's conservative. She has probably very clear ideas about abortion. She probably likes the way that the Supreme Court ruled. She probably voted for Trump based on hoping to get more Supreme Court conservative Supreme Court justices like she got everything she wanted out of voting for Trump, but she would be like, I think Trump's an asshole. So like, I don't know. She I, doesn't of course think I disagree. She's putting but... uh, aborted fetus stem cells in their drinks. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe she has some ideas about what's happening with stem cell research that might, what I would be considered misguided, but I don't know. All, all <laughs> that to say, like, I do yeah. think, I do think that like, she's a, her she's coming from a good place and I would there there isn't a topic that I wouldn't approach with her if it came up. Like I would be happy to sit and talk with my mom calmly about why we think the way we do. Uh it doesn't always work out that way with my that way with my dad. Uh I've probably had more conversations with him about things. Uh and then it usually it's like on the arc. It gets like it really ramps up. And then it crashes and we settle and then we're able to like maybe talk more rationally. But uh, I don't know. I What's crazy uh, is I guess I see some similarities between my dad and I that I wouldn't have thought because I, I never thought that we were that similar. Uh, and then as we get older, I'm like, oh, I could see I could see myself feeling those feelings the way he does. Uh, but just but you, just, um, you push him down. You're like Balenciaga just made a weird marketing <laughs> choice. Like it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Probably nothing. No, but from a different perspective. So I don't know. It, it's all weird. I think just family dynamics get weirder and weirder the older you get. Anyway, we don't need to talk about this anymore. But. So Esther, she gets Esther. to the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you the cliff notes on some of the stuff that everybody's heard or knows at some point. So Haman goes in his intent on getting rid of the Jews. So he makes this big pitch to King Xerxes that they're like this separate group living amongst his people that are plotting and conspiring against him and they don't honor his commandments and all of this stuff. And basically they need to be wiped out. So the king, you know, like I said, he's kind of an idiot. So he's like, hey, you said it. I'm not, I'm kind of busy right now. I'm going to give you my ring, which the king's ring seems to be like the key to the kingdom. It's like his uh, signet. How do you say that word? Is it signet? Signet. Signet. Yeah. 
his signet ring. Homeschoolers unite. We go. Actually, Haman says he will give the king 10,000 talents, basically, to let him kill all the Jews. Talents? I Man, I'm still looking for one talent. That's dope. The king tells him to keep them, so maybe Imagine. he knew it's like, You'll his be good talents at guitar. weren't that desirable. You can do math good. Lots of talents, man. His, Lots, his the best talents, talents weren't that exciting. It was like uh, Heyman had won a couple of those stick pony competitions. <laughs> Hobby horse competition. Hobby horse. You will fuck it, air guitar, dude. <laughs> you can keep your talents, all right? Just go kill the juice for me. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, he got his wish, and I guess Heyman, like, cast lots to uh, determine what day they were going to kill all the Jews. It falls on this certain day, which is sometime in the future. And he sends out the word, which is kind of weird. It's kind of like everybody seems to know that he's about to kill all the Jews on, you know, Tuesday the 14th. And everybody's just kind of waiting around to get murdered. Hmm. Mordecai finds out and he panics puts on sackcloth and ashes and he goes and like screams outside the palace walls. Mordecai comes across and like is his, what he's trying to do isn't always like a bad thing by any means, but like he definitely uses Esther as kind of like his foot in the door at the palace. So he goes in front of the, the palace, screams and yells. She's like, whoa, what is he doing? Maybe she's embarrassed or something. So she sends her servants out there to try to clothe him and stuff. And he like refuses Finally, he tells one of her servants, like, I'm screaming because we're about to all be murdered and you have to do something about it. Right. You need to go before the king and tell him that, uh, you know, this is that he needs to to not do this. But if you remember, like all the drama with King Queen Vashti when she wouldn't show up and stuff, he kind of set forth some new rules at that point. One of which was basically Real like... Real Bill Maher approach. I see where he's coming from. <laughs> New rule. Don't come before the king unless you're called. And if you do, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> so she's like real nervous about just bursting into the throne room. And uh, as it turns out, it says that she hadn't been called before the king in a month. So I'm guessing the honeymoon period was over. I think I so I looked at some timelines and it looked like there was about four years between when she became queen and when this actually happened. That's what's supposedly the timeline, right? So Mordecai says, uh, do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Which is a weird uh, pitch, right? It's like, hey, if you choose to be quiet, we're still going to get delivered by some other means, but you're going to die. Yeah, it's like, look, if they're coming for us, you think you're going to get away with this? You won't. Why? Because we're a bunch of rats and we're going to tell on you. You can risk death now or you can wait for God to kill you. So she agrees to do it. She says, everybody, you know, go talk to all the Jews, tell them to fast and pray for three days. I'll have all my servants fast and pray, and then I'll go do it. So she uh, gets on her royal duds. She goes and stands outside the king's throne room, 
and then at some point she enters without being called in, right? And at this point, the only thing that can save your life... I remember this from youth group. Right. The only thing that can save your life at that point is if the king holds out his golden scepter and touches you with it. The only thing that can save you from the rule that the king made is the king. The king is much (laughs) like God in that he is very bound by his own arbitrary rules that he made up. Now, I saw an animated version of this once, and I do believe that the king did not touch her with the staff, but instead he held it out sideways, and his decision was based on the direction that he tilted the staff either up or down, I he, think. He, the Joaquin Phoenix approach. From Gladiator? Yeah. Yeah. Who is that in Gladiator? Yeah. Joaquin what if Phoenix, I'm making the whole thing up and it, that's all that I'm thinking of? Does the he like gives, the thumb in front of the crowd for the should the gladiator live or die? Is that what you're thinking, Sam? I don't think that's what I'm thinking, but who knows? Memories aren't trustworthy. Yeah. He says to kill the man in the tiger mask, and Russell Crowe says, Screw you, Commodus, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Well, I had a we had all these animated Bible stories on VHS. Oh, I've watched that one twice in the last two days. So have you really? You know what I'm talking <laughs> it's on, it's on Is YouTube. that right? Was it the staff to the side? And, he does uh, do that there? at one point. Like oh, he, yeah. he I holds knew it I out. You nailed it. Up. Thank God. You gotta watch that. I I I'm excited to watch some more of them because they're pretty funny, actually. Dude, I like, gotta go through my parents' VHSs because I feel like there's so much gold there from what like there's so much. Dude, the remember last time we talked about the king's eunuchs, and we had like, you know, probably it's you can't help but envision them as like kind of like, uh, you know, uh, a God, I can't think of what the word is I'm looking for, but yeah, you know, like a, a happy-go-lucky gay dude. Okay, <laughs> that is exactly how they put him in the cartoon too. Like she goes in before the eunuch, and he's like, "Let's put you in silk." Oh my god. <laughs> Literally how they wrote it. <laughs> it's unreal. He's one of the best characters in it though, I mean. So uh she goes before the king and she says, "Hey, I want to throw you and Haman a banquet." And I don't know if that if there was a reason for that. I guess it's just timing, I don't know. There's a lot of overlapping timelines here that all kind of work out for Mordecai's best interest. So he's Mordecai's like sure. a cool name. I've always found it cool ever since I played the first Borderlands game and there was a character named Mordecai. He's cool in that. You're He's right. He's cool. But even when I heard that, I was like, Mordecai, it's a name I know. It's a cool name. You can't name your kid that. It's still not the right name for a kid these days, despite our cultural shifts towards interesting names. I don't know. I like Mordecai. it too. I've been thinking it's that great. the whole time is like Mordecai is such a, a cool name to name somebody. It really is cool. So I want to throw you and Mordecai a party. He says, yes, we'll do that. She says, okay, I'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow night we'll have this big party, right? So Haman is stoked because he's like the only person being honored at the queen's banquet. He's in all of his royal robes and everything. Walks out the gate and guess who's there? that prick Mordecai and he doesn't stand up. He doesn't fist bump him. He doesn't Heil Hitler him. Nothing. (laughs) He's like all my riches and titles and everything. I had all this good stuff going for me. And this prick Mordecai won't salute me and I hate him and it ruins it all for me. He's talking to his wife at this point. 
and his wife and friends are like, you should erect a pole 50 cubits high. And we went over this. The cubit is a unit of measurement that is the distance between your navel and the bottom of your flaccid penis. (laughs) Yes. 50 of those. It's a tall pole. No, that's short, depending on who you're talking about. (laughs) 50 of anything's pretty long. (laughs) That's like like 10, 11 feet. (laughs) Yeah, that'd get Mordecai's legs off the ground when you impale him. It's a cubit be dangling. (laughs) So, for real though, a cubit is elbow to fingertip. Yes. And I feel like a cubit is maybe similar length to your thigh. Yeah, Yeah, probably about. Yeah, that's pretty close. And now I'm wondering. My cubit's short. Universally, are cubits similar to thighs? Maybe well, not. I guess Maybe. I'll Google that while we keep going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need everyone listening to hold out your hand. Look up cubits, Jay. Place it against your thigh and then leave a review for this podcast. <laughs> I'm furiously Googling cubit and thighs and I'm just not getting the information that we need. <laughs> Send Sam your cubits. <laughs> but yeah, so 50 cubits high, they're going to impale Mordecai on it. They're like giddy with excitement thinking about it. Brutal. <laughs> This, that night, the king goes to his chambers and he can't sleep. He's had a hard day of making contradictory decisions and he cannot sleep. So he calls one of his servants to come in and read him the, like, the story of his own rule. <laughs> he's kind of like, he's like Kenny Powers, like, rolling around listening to his own audiobook. <laughs> yes, that's it. <laughs> Amazing. I wonder, like, does he go? Does he tell him to like go back multiple years, or he's like, "Tell me what do you what have you cooked up for last week? What were my exploits?" And the guy's like, "Oh man, well this isn't done being edited yet. Like this is all pretty fresh." He's like, "No, no I want to hear it. I want to hear it." It's like I'm a low IQ drunk. I don't remember. <laughs> it's mostly off the dome. The guy's just like, "And uh, then you did uh, that thing that you did that then decree, the, solid the glor- decree." Then the Best glorious decree. king decided to take the afternoon off to go play golf, and yeah, it was pretty amazing everyone was impressed so the next day remember when you stole every virgin in the kingdom that was cool yeah. <laughs> very trumpian you have the best de- the decrees the, the those your decrees are amazing the best of the best decrees <laughs> so while he's reading back the history uh he talks about that the servant read the part about when mordecai warned him of the assassination plot Ooh. and he Huh. It's like Inception. I forgot all about that. And he's like, did we do anything for Mordecai? Did we give him like a cool shirt or a gift certificate or anything? And the servant said, no, we didn't do anything for him. And he's like, huh. So he's thinking about that the next day. And Haman goes into this king's throne room and he's talking to him. And he's like, basically like, hey, wh- what would you do? For somebody his son was at home crying really all alone on the bedroom floor because he's hungry. And the only way to feed him is to sleep with a man for a little bit of money. Is that, did I get that right? <laughs> yeah. No? I mean, pretty close. Because his daddy's gone. So we're smoking rock now and out of lockdown. I ain't got a job now. <laughs> <laughs> so he asks, the king asks Haman, he says, what should be done for the man that the king delights to honor? And Haman's like, this is about me. 
he's going to honor me. Who else would he pick but me? I'm me. And he's like, uh, for the man that the king delights to honor, have them bring a royal robe. The king is worn and a horse the king has ridden. Uh, so he really wants to smell like him. One with a royal crest placed upon its head. So give the horse a cool hat. Then let the <laughs> robe and horse be entrusted to one of the king's most noble princes. Let them robe the man the king delights to honor and lead him on the horse through the city streets, proclaiming before him, this is what is done for the men the king delights to honor. <laughs> and the king's like, sure, that sounds it really good. It sounds like he's like he's like a, a stereotypical like wife trying to lead her husband into planning a good anniversary dinner. And like, and then maybe it would be cool to go somewhere like I'm a size medium. I'm a medium. And it'd be cool to go <laughs> maybe to a clothing store where there'd be some medium clothes that I could try on. Uh, you know, like that's what it sounds like this guy is doing. Dropping some on the nose hints. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, uh, I I really like horse riding. I also do. You have uh, when you eat your plate of food at lunch. If it's not done, I will take the rest of that. Like maybe in a to go box. I mean, the man that you want to honor, you give him a to go box of lunch. <laughs> <laughs> maybe something that smells like you. Maybe a lock of your hair. The king says, "Go at once." Uh, get the robe and the horse and do just as you suggested all of that for Mordecai the Jew. <laughs> Which does he do? He had to tell the awful. Jew on me. Yeah, come on, man. Yeah, that's what it says. It says Mordecai the Jew. And uh, God damn, it's like 3,000 years later and you're still dealing with the same fucking shit. <laughs> this is the NIV version, so <laughs> probably not in God's inspired word. But uh, yeah, so Haman is up set so he has to like dress mordecai and then walk through the streets with a bullhorn telling everybody how cool he is and he hates it he hates it a lot (laughs) (laughs) so he gets home and he's just like fuming and uh you know he's telling his wife about doing this and how much he hated it and everything and uh she says uh since Mordecai, before whom your downfall has started, is of Jewish origin, you cannot stand against him. You will surely come to ruin. While they were talking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived and hurried Haman away to the banquet Esther had prepared. There again, uh, this feels very uh, written by Mordecai. <laughs> <laughs> then everyone clapped and stood up and clapped because Haman got embarrassed. And no one ever heard from him again. And he felt dumb. <laughs> Not Mordecai, though. I, Mordecai just goes on the horse ride forever and gets more cloaks and his best friends with the king who's evil, but still cool that he's best friends, kind of, if you think about it. <laughs> well, we are just, we've got a lot of uh, back padding left for Mordecai here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so Haman goes to wait, Queen wait, Esther's Sorry. They whisper- uh, Officially, who wrote the Book of Esther? Uh, maybe Mordecai. Yeah, let me look I think this there up. was something in like the last chapter that said that like Mordecai recorded these events. Tradition has it that the core of the book was written by Mordecai, its main co- oh, yeah, character, and the cousin of Esther. <laughs> <laughs> the big Mordecai energy. And Mordecai incidentally gives Haman Haman. Uh, <laughs> Big 45 energy. Yeah, I say Mordecai's book, The Art of the uh, Forced Marriage Deal. 
So uh, the count, the court uh, eunuchs rush Mort or uh, Haman off to the uh, the White House, where Queen Esther has prepared a banquet of McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> For all the all the college athletes. <laughs> so they eat dinner, had a great time, and then the king's like, Queen Esther, what is your petition? It will be given to you. What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be granted to you. And uh, Esther, at this point, like she's gonna, she's gonna uh, approach the subject. She says, "If I have found favor with you, Your Majesty, and if it pleases you, grant me my life. This is my petition, and spare my people. This is my request, for I and my people have been sold to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. If we had merely been sold as male and female slaves, I would have." Kept quiet because no such distress would justify <laughs> Sorry, disturbing what? the king. I, that, that's basically that meme from Community of like I can excuse the the slavery, but where I really draw the line is the forced extermination. And they're like, you yeah. can excuse the slavery? <laughs> and, She's like, if it was just my people being enslaved, I would have shut up because being queen is dope. But if you wipe them out, that's gonna I'm gonna be the only Jew left. And that's gonna be kind of weird. So now, <laughs> if you force us into servitude, I. I, seriously, I wouldn't bother you with this. <laughs> what if he's like, oh my God. Wow. I'm like, I'm so, that's too, that's you know? a really good idea. I'll just, I'll enslave them all. <laughs> She's like, oh fuck. That's uh, <laughs> shit. That's not what I wanted. He's like, all right, we're negotiating now. <laughs> I feel like Xerxes was probably actually like, everybody's always complaining about something. That's the vibe he has throughout this whole book. <laughs> He says, who is he? Where is he? The man who has dared to do such a thing. Esther said, an adversary, and enemy, this vile Haman. And uh, Haman is quaking in his boots. Nobody at this point knew that Esther was a Jew because Mordecai told her not to tell anybody. Mm. So she's kept that hidden like all the way from the beginning and only now revealed it to the, the king. It and almost stuff. makes it feel like your ethnicity is unknowable if people don't know for sure which makes it arbitrary which is an interesting reason to kill people over hmm. yeah if i was a townsperson in okay. uh, persia i Did would you just guys not watch the anything. wild thornberries no no but i know what it is oh my god well there was an episode of the wild thornberries that's very relevant right now eliza thornberry can talk to animals do you guys know that mm-hmm. i've heard okay. that well wherever they are there's these monkeys there's two monkeys, sacks of monkeys. There's this kind of monkey across the river, and on the other side of the river is another kind of monkey. And the only difference is the length of their tails. Well, they hate each other, these monkeys. And she says, she kind of plays both sides, right? And she gives them these little armor sets, which is kind of like putting, I don't know, maybe they're coconuts around their bodies. But it hides their tails, and these monkeys go to battle. And these monkeys don't realize which monkeys they're fighting. And at the end of the battle, they realize that they're all fighting each other because the only difference is just their tails. And I find that that episode of the wild thornberries would have fallen well on the ears of Xerxes at this time. Did the monkey with the long tail get like straight piped to the 50 foot pole? No, he didn't. Okay. He gave well, his that life might to be Christ. where the comparisons end. 
He gave his life to Christ, and all the other monkeys gave their life to Christ afterwards. And that is the reason we need to engage in missionary work. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you are going in so many different directions tonight. I, I like it. going to be fun. I just didn't know where. <laughs> so Haman is scared, naturally. Uh, he's bewildered. The king is angry, so he just like stomps out into the garden and he's like raging out, fight dancing in the in the garden while Esther and Haman are still in the room together. Uh, Haman, like, exactly, yeah. Haman falls on Esther. She's like reclining on a couch and he like falls on top of her, begging for his life. And the king walks back into the room at this point and he exclaims. Will he even molest the queen while she is <laughs> in my house? It wasn't a good look. It wasn't. I was concerned. <laughs> Felt like he did a molest. Yeah. They put a hood over his head. And then Harbona, I'm pretty sure he appeared in the story earlier during the beauty part or uh, pageant. Uh, one of the king's eunuchs attending the king said, A pole reaching the king's eunuchs all of the king's men. And a pole reaching to a height of 50 cubits stands by Haman's house. He had it set up for Mordecai, who spoke up to help the king. The king said, impale him on it. Hoist him on his own petard. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when your only tool is a a giant pole, everything looks like a a, a butthole. (laughs) (laughs) Eclorbus anus. So this is community reference. I don't know. (laughs) I I got it, but too late. I didn't react. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay. I just, I needed to clarify that for you. I don't think Casey was up on community, but I figured we'd go for uh, the second one in a row here. Okay. Well, this is where the book gets real fun. No, right now. Yeah. I've been having fun this whole time. So, okay. So here's the fun part that I don't think I've, I feel like people don't really talk about. Uh, the rest of this book they kind of skim over it but uh, this is okay so King Xerxes gave Queen Esther the estate of Haman the enemy of the Jews and Mordecai came into the presence of the king for Esther had told how he was related to her the king took off his signet ring which he had reclaimed from Haman and presented it to Mordecai and Esther appointed him over Haman's estate so they kill Haman in a heinous way. Dang. I guess it's kind of like Highlander where like he just absorbs Heyman's title since he got him murdered. <laughs> there could only be one. That's how the promotion system works in Persia. They're just like, well, you're a dude. Here's his ring. <laughs> <laughs> so Esther pleads with the king uh, to rescind the order about killing all the Jews. And the king's put in a long day at this point, so he's like exhausted. Uh, I'm bored of this. Here's my ring, Mordecai. Uh, do whatever you want. Take care of this. So he kind of empowers Talk about Mordecai. Owning it in. Oh, a hundred percent. And this is a fun twist, right? So he kind of gave Mordecai the uh, you know the ability to like rescind the order that he had sent out to all the kingdoms, right? But Mordecai doesn't do that. <laughs> so Mordecai writes a second order 
and has it shipped to all of the different kingdoms, basically saying that the Jews are able to arm themselves and kill all their enemies. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hard sell. Dude, and he's got the uh the ring, so it says that uh basically like that's the you you can rubber stamp about anything with the ring if you got it. He basically writes down like cancel student loan debt and he's just <laughs> the ring on it. He's like, I don't know, will it work? Let's find out. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I'm trying to find the uh now write another decree decree in the king's name on behalf of the Jews as seems best to you and seal it with the king's signet ring. Right, so Mordecai says the king's edict grants the, granted the Jews in every city the right to assemble and protect themselves, to destroy, kill, and annihilate the armed men of any nationality or province who might attack them and their women and children, and to plunder the property of their enemies. So, so, so people are going to read this and be like, "All right, so King Xerxes went from kill all the Jews to all the Jews get to kill anyone they want; they can take whatever they want." Uh, Every Wednesday is Jews' day. Uh, if a Jew walks by your house, you have to feed them. It's like, and no one was like, everyone's like, all right, well, I mean, it is using his ring. So, yeah, I guess this checks out. Not weird at all. <laughs> yeah. So, there's some fun passages here. Uh, so, the couriers get sent out in every direction, but uh, the, the order goes into effect first in the citadel of Susa, which is where they are, right? And it says, when Mordecai left the king's presence, he was wearing royal, royal garments of blue and white, a large crown of gold, and purple robe of fine linen. And the city of Susa held a joyous celebration. For the Jews, it was a time of happiness and joy, gladness and honor. In every province and in every city to which the edict of the king came, there was joy and gladness among the Jews with feasting and celebrating. And many people of other nationalities became Jews because fear of the Jews had ceased. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> and uh, so first in uh, Susa. It sounds a lot like people converted to Christianity during the Crusades. It, it really does. sounds yeah. a lot like that, yes. <laughs> Except for the Crusades were actually people doing horrible things. And this was just based on a rumor and a sly little like, this is what I'm going to do people. One yeah. dude who hates one dude. God, why? Honestly, why on earth aren't people making these stories movies? They're it great. Would be fun. They're it's so real, fun. Dude, huge missed opportunity. I, I bet the biggest reason is Christian backlash. It would be hard to make some of these and, and tr help them translate into, uh, you know, more Christians. <laughs> It doesn't need to. Why? Because uh, whose book is this? Not the Christians. The Christians stole it. Finders <laughs> keepers. <laughs> the Jews assembled in their cities in all the provinces of King Xerxes to attack those determined to destroy them. No one could stand against them because the people of all the other nationalities were afraid of them. And all the nobles of the provinces, the satraps, the governors, and the king's administrators helped the Jews because fear of Mordecai had seized them. Mordecai was prominent in the palace. His reputation spread throughout the provinces, and he became more and more powerful. He was kind of like the, uh, the Steve Bannon of Persia. <laughs> the Jews struck down all their enemies with the sword, killing and destroying them. 
and they did what they pleased to those who hated them. So there's uh, a lot of killing and impaling at this point. Yeah, definitely. This is the forgotten part, I think. Yes. So they kill 500 people in the in the citadel first, right? And uh, including Haman had 10 sons, which doesn't really say how old they were, if they had much of anything to do with him at this point, you know, whatever. But they kill all of his sons and take all their property, right? And then uh, Esther for the king. And the king's like, so they killed 300 people uh, in the citadel. Like, what what do you want now? And she says, give the Jews in, in Susa permission to carry out this day's edict tomorrow also. And let Haman's 10 sons be impaled on poles. <laughs> oh, shit. And it's funny because like the Esther that's in the cartoon, you know, she's like, the sweetest, kindest, most soft-spoken, like, coy girl, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And this was like, you want to hate us for millennia? I'll give you a reason to hate us for millennia. <laughs> Kill like his sons. Of <laughs> Esther's over here talking about the final solution for Haman's line. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about mass crucifixion. You hear me? <laughs> so they impale his ten sons. Haman's 10 sons on poles and display them in the city. Uh, and then the Jews take another day to kill an extra 300 people in Susa. Meanwhile, the edicts are going out in every direction. The Pony Express has taken it to every corner of Persia. And the Jews in all of these other provinces kill 75,000 people who, you know, in an act of self-defense. <laughs> <laughs> So they kill, I don't know, everybody. And then it it says that there was much rejoicing and feasting and amongst the Jews. (laughs) Yeah. And they made a holiday out of it. The holiday is called Purim. Pur is like the, the lot that was cast that Haman cast to determine what date to kill all the Jews. And they kind of made a holiday out of it, sort of reclaimed it. I don't know if that's, still celebrated today or not mordecai finished writing it and was like wow the good guys definitely won this one perfect no changes it says they kind of feast and they give gifts to each other so it's kind of like genocidal christmas yeah it's weird too like how many verses will be devoted to like and then they killed all and then they killed everybody oh that is so common and then, and then, and then 800,000 like people died on like Here's how important it is to celebrate this holiday. Well, like the average Persian's got to be like, Haman who? You got to kill 300 more? Like, why? Like, not this again. Like, just be some poor Persian villager. Be like, every time it's the king's birthday, they got to go kill 500, like, peasants. Every time, okay, the queen, apparently she's from a different country and some guy did something bad, so we're just going to kill a bunch of us again. Like, what? what's the point? <laughs> Exactly. It'd be hard to feel pretty loyal as a Persian peasant, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it would be scary. It'd be scary to be like this subject to the whims of like one lunatic or maybe two, I guess, counting Mordecai. When that was... was this story? Shortly before the events of 300. 
which was <laughs> when? Hold on. I mean, Xerxes. When was Xerxes? Was there only one Xerxes, though? Yeah, there uh, was more than one, for sure. Yeah, so Xerxes, Xerxes the Great was, was the fourth Xerxes. king of kings ruled from 486 to 465 BC. Okay, because then there was Cyrus Xerxes the Great in 612. This is so Xerxes I, the Simple. The only reason... <laughs> Xerxes the, only, the easily led around. No, the reason I was thinking about it is because I know like Assyria was part of the like Persian Empire. I think it might have been the capital at some point, um, but that was in like the sixth century BC, and obviously the Assyrians were who were like notable for lots and lots of brutal blood and gore and killing and murder. And, the Persians it on were... display. So I'm like, maybe they learned that all from Esther. Maybe that's Esther's comp- contribution. Actually, well, this is, it, it this is like post-Assyrians. Xerxes the Great, Xerxes I, is supposedly the same Xerxes who invaded Greece and the same Xerxes from the Bible, uh, but there is not consensus. Um, so, so there's a lot of scholars apparently arguing that Xerxes is the king Ahusuerus. Um I'm not pronouncing that correctly, yeah, but no, it does. It does look that. like if the con- some of the consensus was correct, and there isn't a consensus, then yes, the same Xerxes that Esther was married to and did all this stuff is the same Xerxes who was in 300. Very Another equally historical recounting of yeah. well, very fact. The thing about historical events. recounts is it's all based on who's telling it. The whole idea of like historicity is changed significantly since which that makes time. it even more incredible that mordecai is the one writing this down yeah. he's like yeah he was gonna kill us so you never guess what we did i the love it thing that we were accusing them of doing we did that to fewer of them though so it's better except for his <laughs> sons we did we did impale them he was only gonna impale me but eye for an eye uh a tooth for 10 of your teeth and everything's even yeah, 75,800 people murdered and impaled on poles. Perfect. <laughs> Numbers mean nothing in old books. Like, now, <laughs> they're just completely they're like arbitrary. 75,000 people. Apparently, though, Xerxes' bad reputation is due to propaganda by Alexander the Great. That son of a bitch. Uh, the modern historian Richard Stoneman regards the portrayal of Xerxes as a more nuanced and tragic in the work of the contemporary Greek historian Herodotus. The father <laughs> a lot of, of modern people history. Think Herodotus was recording spurious information, so a lot of hot goss. Wow. So, wow. It sounds like there just is no agreement on this. It's dude. almost like it's hard to know what happened 2,500 years ago. Wild. Yeah. But. Well, okay, you don't understand. There's not a consensus, but things, everything was passed down with a strong oral tradition where uh, word by word accuracy was extremely important. We can trust these historical accounts yeah. from 450 BC. Okay, like a true homeschooler. I love it. <laughs> the only historian that I care about is named Mordecai, and he has a very good send off for the book here. Uh, chapter send 10. Hey, send us off with a solid, uh... oh, man. What's the word? Oh, I'm forgetting. What do pastors do before at the end of the service? An all altar God's call? people say? No, not an altar not call. Closing? What's the closing? God, benediction. Oh, I would not have guessed that. Yeah, wow. me neither. Well, y'all are shitty Christians. Good word. Casey, send us it's, off with a called, solid it's benediction. It's called word of faith. It's at least it came what? back to me. It's at least the Lord reminded me of it in my time of need. <laughs> Unlike you heathens. Much like Mordecai. Fuck off. 
the the NIV version titles this three verse book or a chapter that ends the book, The Greatness of Mordecai. <laughs> <laughs> it says I love King that. Xerxes imposed tribute throughout the empire to its distant shores and all his acts of power and might together with a full account of the greatness of Mordecai, <laughs> whom the king had promoted. Are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Media and Persia? Mordecai the Jew was second in rank to King Xerxes, preeminent among the Jews, and held in high esteem by his many fellow Jews because he worked for the good of his people and spoke up for the welfare of all the Jews. Signed, love, Mordecai. Yeah, so... I don't know. This is basically the story of like uh, a quarrel between two two uh, co-workers that resulted in I don't know, 75,000 corpses. Sounds like a metal song if you ask me. And you know godly women should be like Esther. They should let their cousin tell them what to do <laughs> and enter them in uh they should let their their cousins arrange their marriages for them, and then they should make him a really make their husband a really good meal, and then ask, "Was it a good enough meal that we won't be killed?" And if not, can I ask for a favor? <laughs> That's the takeaway. Is like, are ladies, are you baking good enough meals for your husband not to want to kill you, as is his right? <laughs> Perfect. There's takeaway. so many good lessons to learn here. Yeah. So. And- but yeah, the, the lesson of Esther was supposed to be about her courage, right? Yeah, because she went before the king, even though it might have resulted in her death. Uh, fun fact, I, I was going to mention it earlier, and then I withdrew my attempt at saying anything because I wanted to verify it first. But the book of Esther does not mention God at all. Yeah, it's one of like two, right? It's Esther and then is it Ruth? I thought it was the only, oh man. I think, I feel like there's one more. Cause I think I just heard this. I watched a couple of pastors spout off about the book. Okay. And- what do the pastors have to say about that? What's their take? Well, just because God isn't name. mentioned by name, doesn't mean that, that, that God isn't present throughout the whole thing. They said, uh, yeah, it was said that it offers us a powerful, um, uh, idea of how christians should behave around non-christians god okay christian takes on this stuff are the like the worst you should be completely separate and disregard their customs (laughs) (laughs) you should gain power over them and kill most of them subjugate before you can be subjugated that's the takeaway wow the jungle I mean, that's the general feeling I'm getting even in today's world. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of a, it does work the same. But well, yeah, there wasn't a lot of real good takes on what it meant other than like Esther obeyed God and she was, you know, yeah, saved her people God. because she was brave, that sort of thing. It definitely, like the whole book to me, definitely feels like this is Mordecai writing about how cool he is. And like framing it as like, yeah, but you know, my, my cousin Esther also brave, you know what? And I'll name the book after her. It seems like a very subtle way of distracting from how cool he is 
I feel like it's a let me show you how this big dick swings kind of book. Like the I, real power behind the throne. It does feel like the the more I feel like the longer I'm out of like the evangelical Christian world, the more like you see the disservice they've done to every single book in the Old <laughs> Testament. <laughs> like no it's book true. goes unscathed. Like stop. Look, if you're still Christian, just don't listen to a single evangelical about what they have to say about the the Old Testament. Just look at what maybe some Jewish, uh, what some rabbis and some Jewish scholars have to say about it, because it's probably more interesting and you can probably glean more from it when it comes to your day to day life. But that's that's my general takeaway so far on everything I've ever read about any of these books since shifting out of evangelicalism. <laughs> it's like it's always the worst, most like boiled down lowest common denominator takes 100 percent terrible yeah that's that's absolutely what it feels like once you start diving into some of these is like you know you could make a lot of this story like just like people make a lot of the iliad you know or you name it but like it always had to be like and here's what this means do what your dad tells you yeah exactly it's so dumb it's awful (laughs) Uh, so well uh that's be the blessed, book of everyone. we are closing the book of esther now and uh if you enjoyed it well first off if you want to have some fun go on youtube and find the old bible cartoon i gotta find the name i forget what the name of these series were i i you'll know the animation is yeah, very see. specific yeah it's distinct because I saw, I, the, the minute I saw it, I'm like, oh, yes, I used to have this on VHS. The eyes have no color. They're just like black holes as part of it. Yep. Yeah, and they have kind of like uh, long, angular faces. Mm-hmm. It's so. a bunch of animation, guys. Animation's expensive. What do you want them to do? They, they put to make a lot like, into that. I mean, how many of them are there in the series? 50? A bunch, yeah. There's there a was lot, a lot yeah. of them. I had like a whole bookshelf full of them, I feel like. Was there a Shadrach, Meshach, and a Bendigo one? Oh, let's do that story. That's a good one. We should do that one next. Yeah. I'm down. And then at some point, Sam is going to like walk us through the book of, not the book of Samson, the story of Samson. <laughs> story of Samson in the book of Judges. I want to do like a, I, I recently started skimming through Judges and it's very like, here's a, there's like a few judges that are really focused on then a few that are like in passing. I want to do the cliff notes of uh, the book of judges though. Cause it's cool. It's fucking cool as shit. And then the ones that they really focus on are wild. And then the story of Samson is just on. Um, it's just what it's a wild story. It's so cool. I I'll forever stand by that. Uh, all I want more than anything is for someone to make like a brutal, like, bloody ass r-rated I think you want the version. Zack snyder version yeah. of it too like to go back to 300 like there's a few directors that could do a good job of yeah. it and i think you would do an awesome one like a gladiator like style Northman. of like samson yes samson. like just fucking roll with it as a mythic story and make it brutal as fuck i think it could be one of the greatest just don't cast Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> God, please, please no. Just please not him. You need Jason Momoa, guys. Come on. I no. like a I like a tall, sinewy Clint Eastwood type Samson. You want um, what's the guy? Uh, man. Personally, I think Ben Affleck would be a good choice. 
Who's the really tall guy with the goofy face? Like really tall. I Adam Driver? Yes. I'm so glad all I needed was really tall guy with the goofy face. Do we want yeah, Adam he, Driver to play Samson? <laughs> he looks like one of those like Sphinx cats. I'd, I'd rather have Jason Momoa, I think. <laughs> I don't want to see Jason Momoa in anything ever. Yeah, I'm okay. Or with Dwayne it. the Rock Johnson. Just, is Jason Both too of them handsome? have made what? enough. Oh, okay. That's why. He's just too his hair's too long, beard's too good, too handsome. Is that the problem? Yeah, I, and they just never have made a good movie ever. Also that. <laughs> Mostly that actually. I how do you guys feel about Colin Hanks as uh Samson? <laughs> <laughs> Who's Colin Hanks? Tom Hanks' son. <laughs> Orange County is like the first thing that comes to my mind. And then he did the uh, show Life in Peace. You just Google him right now. Definitely not Samson. That's No. <laughs> <laughs> like he's not the Tom Hanks son who's like a rapper and covered in tattoos. Yeah, he's not the Chet. other one. This isn't Chet. Right. I'll take Chet Hanks as Samson though. <laughs> Not Tom Holland. Please know Tom Holland is Samson. I know he's pretty hot right now. Okay, okay. Jack Black. Yeah. <laughs> I, I take Jack Black. I mean, as long as Hollywood doesn't get woke and like cast a woman instead, you know, like I want my Samson's got to be a man. Yeah. Well, How about like a Michael Sarah. There you go. Why don't we Why don't we start the movie with Michael Sarah and then at some point we'll switch to Colin Hank and not acknowledge it as he grows <laughs> just, up, he just gets bigger. Expect Let's, the audience to sort it before out. Before we do Samson, we'll uh, we'll we'll have to come up with like the full cast of the Samson movie. Dude, we should that that should be a part of this is we should cast the people in the story. Yeah. Casting so that, our favorite Bible stories for that's movies. That's what we gotta do going forward. That sounds Love so it. much fun. Well, do we want to end with like a quick fan cast of uh, just a couple of the main characters from the Esther story? Okay. Um, I'm on the spot. Xerxes. I don't know. You think Xerxes is old or is he uh, like middle-aged? I think this is before things got pretty hot, like before he sails to Greece and everything. Hmm. Yeah, some sharp hatchet-faced prick. Not Jason Statham. No, no, no. It needs to be like one of those prissy British actors who's like the bad guy on a season of Downton Abbey. Hmm. Well, boy, I feel like this, this might be something we have to prepare for in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're sitting there going like, man, good thing we're not a movie podcast. <laughs> now that's good radio. I don't know that we're all well versed in enough actors. I'm not. Look, I'm, I don't think I have it in me to just like throw out actors names on the spot i've struggled i struggled enough with colin hanks case about, didn't even know who he was how about michael Sarah? that's <laughs> just gonna be my suggestion for everybody <laughs> michael Sarah, but as mordecai but like cgi i'm old michael Sarah I mean, as if michael Sarah, if he he gets yoked like i'll let him give take a shot at it you know i don't know why not he's just forever george michael to me yeah <laughs> yeah me too but like you know, Matthew McConaughey went through his little renaissance. Who's to say Michael Sarah couldn't do? They seem pretty equal. Got to get that Jeff Bezos swell on. <laughs> All right, folks. If you like the show, leave us a review wherever you listen to it. And join our Discord. Uh, you can message us on Instagram. We'll send you a link to it. Jump on there. Uh, we're on all social media platforms except for Facebook because it sucks. I just made us a hive. You did. I was going to ask. Hive's a new hive? thing. All right. Yeah, I haven't posted anything yet, but we're on hive. Well, Twitter's about to be destroyed. So 
I know maybe the timing's right. Maybe we could just the rise to the top on the new platform hive. That's the hope. Cue the Randy Savage uh, soundbite. <laughs> the cream is going to rise. <laughs> so hive it up, TikTok, you name it. Anyways, uh, everybody, thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. <laughs>